I'm Becca. Welcome to Call Me Old Fashioned, the podcast where we explore the best old-fashioned cocktail recipes while chatting about the culture of this drink and why we love it so much. Coming on this journey with me is my friend TJ. Hi everyone, I'm TJ. I couldn't be more excited about going on this journey with you. I do love this cocktail a lot. Can't wait to dive into some of the history and the cool stories about it. Cheers, Cheers everyone! Let's get drinking. And talking. <laughs> Right here we are again with another episode of Call Me Old Fashioned. Isn't that right, TJ? That is very, very true, Becca. This is another episode of Call Me Old Fashioned. And to start our episode, just like every other one, because we wouldn't want this one to be any different, I have to first give you all a disclaimer. We are not professional bartenders, although mm-hmm. I think we should be by now. We not going to lie. We should be, but we, should, we could only make old fashions. Right, in a very specific genre of old fashioned. Yep. So for the disclaimer's sake, we are not professional bartenders of all cocktails, just enthusiasts with a fun idea. All our ideas are individual expressions and do not reflect the professional opinion of major spirit companies or professional cocktail makers. Although I kind of wish we could ask them, like, what do you think of this old fashioned that we just made with your, you know... The spirit. I think that would be true. I think that would be cool too. But you know, our disclaimer does not include um, like barbacks. So what is a we barback? a barback that does is, not sound appealing. <laughs> a bar a barback is a person that works in the bar that actually restocks the bar. Oh, while like you? The, yeah. Well, no, oh. not like oh, me. Oh, oh, oh. No, like while like during the evening. Oh, I like see. they're the people that are running to get ice or cleaning the glassware or restocking the syrups or oh, restocking I would the like bottles. That job. Yeah. So we can speak for them. Oh, we can. Yeah. Because they're not professional bartenders? Exactly. Oh, they're like the bartender interns? Yeah, they're like uh. <laughs> they're like the Padawans. But you know what? Just in case, please don't ask them. Yeah. Or at least let us ask them first. So in this episode, we are going to be trying Irish whiskey. Yay! Uh, and accents, maybe. I'm going to go on record right now and, and say there definitely will be. <laughs> there definitely will be some Irish accents. We cannot guarantee whether or not they will be good. Uh, we will not be doing a, a comparison with our reigning Redemption Bourbon Old Fashioned because, nope. as we determined in our last episode, this one has now bumped our makers down just a notch. But there you have it. Redemption Bourbon, right, for right now, yep. sits at the top as our perfect Old Fashioned. Um, so we're just going to take a little jaunt over to the Isle, Isle of Ireland, right? We were in Scotland last week, so yep. now we're just going to go over to Ireland. Uh, then we will make our old fashions, and we'll ask a couple of blind questions, and then we'll answer our listener's question, which will m- maybe not be so blind, and be on our merry way, right, TJ? So- sounds about right. So, TJ, can you kick us off with some insight into the Irish whiskey? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So first, I'm just going to get the legal definitions out of the way. Like, what makes it an Irish whiskey compared to this? And then we'll get a little bit more into the history and the kind of like, I get traumatic story of... Traumatic? Yeah, traumatic. Trauma? It is kind of traumatic. Oh, this isn't good. I'm studying post-traumatic stress right now. Well, I mean, we are talking about (laughs) Ireland and... It's pretty traumatic. All those potatoes. Yeah. Or lack thereof. (laughs) So... To be called an Irish whiskey, the spirit needs to be made in Ireland, north or south. Fair. And it must meet the following requirements. One, it must be fermented by the action of yeast. 
most I think dist- or distillation okay. processes use that, but they just yeah. were like super. Nope, it has like, to be. We are noting it. Yep, we're noting it. <laughs> okay. Two, it has to be matured for at least three years in wooden, commonly oak barrels. So similar to Scotch. Similar to Scotch. Okay. Three, retain the color, aroma, and taste from the original grains and cereals. <laughs> so basically, anything <laughs> this that one's made from. I just fruity pebbles. Fruity pebbles. <laughs> I love the uh, the essence of honeycomb yes. in this one. Hey, but they actually do make they do honey whiskey. See what I did there. <laughs> and then four, it needs to come out of the barrel at forty percent alcohol. So that's pretty much it when it comes to what does it need to be to be called an Irish whiskey? To be, to be. Yeah, to be, to be, to be, or not to be. This is the way it is to be. <laughs> All right. So now that we've covered that stuff and got that out of the way, let's mm-hmm. move on to the history of Irish whiskey. Awesome. The process of distillation is believed to have been brought to Ireland by traveling monks from Europe as early as the year 1000. Well, of course, because what else were they going to do? Exactly. They're <laughs> like, please give me some whiskey. The process is actually, they said, very similar to how they would they were making like their perfumes. That makes sense. Yeah. Because perfumes, if they're like... Not very good. They just kind of smell alcoholy. Yeah. So they said that that they kind of borrowed that whole process because hmm. that's actually what the monks brought over, and then they were like, "I bet you we can make alcohol from because, this." Because like, wouldn't it be like an infusion mm-hmm. too? Yeah, that makes total so. sense. So, so we could just like wear our da- our bitter dashes. You know, you could. <laughs> you could. <laughs> right. Um, my grandmother always used to put vanilla extract on her wrist when she was baking. Oh, and interesting. And she'd smell like vanilla all day. Oh, that's kind of sweet. Yeah. Okay. So the first mention in writing of whiskey in Ireland comes from the year 1405. Uh, it was basically, it was like a chronicle of somebody <laughs> and they were talking about how somebody had had drunk in the waters of Aquavita, water of life. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Kind of like in Scotland, they have the original like same language. It's the same thing, different spelling. So it's Ushkabeha <laughs> instead of Ushka. Ushka? Yeah. Instead of Ushka, it's Ushka. Ushka. I don't hear a difference. There's a C-E instead of a G-A. Ushka instead of Ushga. Yep. Okay, got it. Yeah. You're just going to make your C's a little harder. Yeah, I guess so. Sorry. (laughs) I'm not not a cunning linguist. (laughs) It's okay. So at one point, Irish whiskey was the most popular spirit in the world. But for a long period of time, or after a long period of decline in the 19th century, destroyed the industry. Ah, shucks. This was due to the Irish War of Independence from England, the famine that saw many Irish flee to the United States. Ah, shucks. The subsequent subsequent civil war that followed in Ireland. I wish I had another phrase. Yeah. Ah, shucks. Ah, shucks. (laughs) And the passing of Prohibition in the United States, which was the largest consumer of Irish whiskey at that time. Wow. Yeah. Okay, dokie. So in 1887, there were 28 distilleries operating in Ireland. By 1966, there were only four. Yikes! And what they did is they actually all piled together. They all came together and formed basically one giant distillery. Oh, that's kind of nice. Yeah, to kind of save the industry and to save each other. And then it wasn't until like the 18 or the 1980s, other companies started coming in and buying up those brands, like mm-hmm. big, like big, like multinational conglomerate brands, kind of a thing. Like one of them we're going to talk about tonight mm-hmm. was one of the original four that was bought, and now it's like ah. the most popular Irish whiskey in the world. Okay, but now since the 1990s, it is actually the fastest growing spirit in the marketplace. Wow! Today there are over 30 distilleries in Ireland, with many more planned for the or planned to open in the coming years oh they finally like you know totally brought it all back so it was a little bit of a sad story but now it's now it's positive it's optimistic it's like the industry (laughs) is growing and it's it's the it's the fastest growing spirit brand 
All or not right. spirit brand, but spirit type in the world. So it's coming back. Yeah. I just want you to know, I have been to Ireland, both Northern Ireland and Ireland Republic. Very cool. I'm fantastic. This is going to be so awesome. Okay, <laughs> cool. So we'll have some stories. Yes. Oh, <laughs> accent a little bit. That, that was more of a British accent. There. It really was. Sorry. Never so cry. TJ, would you like to ask a question? Sure. Okay, so my question is a bit basic, but I think it's going to have... Basic. Okay, but I think that we're going to have a good conversation around it. So besides Irish whiskey, because I talked a little bit about this when we were doing our scotch episode last time, Mm -hmm. is there any other type of products or traditions or food that make you, quote unquote, feel Irish? Feel Irish. Like Irish spring soap. Oh, I hate Irish spring soap. (laughs) Okay, so other things that make me queso feel is Spanish Irish. for cheese. I know. I'm sorry. To be honest, not a lot of things make me feel Irish, other than watching movies or okay. shows with Irish accents, like a good dose of Dairy Girls, and I'm just like talking an Irish accent exactly. day in and day out. And especially if there are people there that will kind of like that's pure class, Becca. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, I guess, like, on St. Patrick's Day, my mom always made corned beef corn beef and cabbage um, and carrots and potatoes. and But, I mean, like, we just didn't really know much about Irish culture. We just knew that was, like, an Irish thing. So it didn't make me feel Irish. It made me feel like it was March 17th. Yep. 17th. <laughs> Fun fact, that's also the same day that Julius Caesar was assassinated. Uh, that's not no. fun. No, sorry. He was, he was assassinated on March 15th. Beware the Ides of March. There you go. There you go. Sorry. Um. So. Historical context. Yeah. So that's kind of it. Other things make me feel British. Okay. Yes. Please enlighten us. Well, like drinking tea in general drinking just kind of makes me feel a little British because I really enjoy that, like, I literally had to go there to mm-hmm. actually appreciate and like tea because I did not like tea before. Yep. I'm and and hearing and listening to why it's so important to their culture and just like how they prepare it and the different ways that people impa- prepare it or ask for it or whatever. I was listening to an interview. So in the newest James Bond movie, mm-hmm. um, they filmed part of it in I think it was the like the Faroe Islands, like way up by Scotland, mm-hmm. I think where they filmed part of like the Star Wars movies. Oh, yeah. But they filmed in this area where there's a bunch of endangered species, so they couldn't have a big footprint, like film crew-wise. Right. So they were only allowed to bring like eight people mm-hmm. out Which there. Which is not very many for Which, a major motion film. Yeah, so it was like the actors, the director, yeah. the sound guy. And like two cameras. <laughs> yeah, the camera operator. But the, the director was saying, he's like, this is how I realized like how important like tea is to British people. He's like, we had two people whose job it was just to make tea. Yes. Like of those eight people, two of them had to be people that made tea. I totally get it. (laughs) See, if I was ever in a movie, there would be a person that was specifically there to make me coffee. Okay. Yeah. But I, so I totally get it. So that kind of makes me feel a little British or like scones and stuff like that. Um, scones. Scones, scones, scones. Stupid British food! <laughs> <laughs> um, little ode to Ross there. Yeah. Um, what other things make me feel British? I mean, I guess sometimes, like, my, my suck-it-up attitude toward, like, cold weather or rain. Mm-hmm. 
I don't really like it very much, but every once in a while I can kind of suck it up and, and it, it, uh, it does give me that sense of like keep keep a British, stiff upper lip. Stiff stiff upper lip, yes. <laughs> a little British culture. Mm-hmm. Other things I love. I really like getting into like Mexican culture when we have like tacos and burritos. I <laughs> oh, mean, I am all about that guacamole. And <laughs> yeah. Good accent. Thank you. Speaking Gracias. of accents. There's a guy that works in the building that I work in. He works for a different company, but I, like, I pass by, like, where their little break room is all the time if I go to the bathroom. And he doesn't speak English, and I don't really speak Spanish. But we have this really, like, funny kind of, like, relationship with each other where we just get really excited to say, (laughs) Hola! (laughs) Como estas? Bien, you do? (laughs) Oh, bien! Bien, Bien, gracias, you do! (laughs) That's it. That's it. Hola. Hola. <laughs> you want to really throw them for a loop. You say, ah, si, ah, si. Ah, si, ah, si. <laughs> I got to try that one time. Yeah. Ah, si, ah, si. All right. So I have a question, or have I satisfied your your question? I believe so. And I, I, Yeah. All right. So I, I have a question for you, and I kind of want to bring it back to theater. Since okay. we're trying out our bad Irish accents. There it is. There it is. Yes, a bad Irish accent. I wondered, have you ever played a role where you had to have an accent? Or is there a role with an accent that you might thought, that you might have thought was fun to do? You know, unfortunately, I haven't had the opportunity to do a show uh, yet where I had to have an accent. Hmm. Um, I would love it. I, I, I think it would be grand. I think it would be a great time. See, I'm starting to waffle. Yeah, I'm starting, starting to, to waffle little, into into Scottish there. Scottish a little, yeah. Um, yeah, you gotta I keep would, gotta keep it in the front of your mouth. Yeah, you gotta keep it in the front of your mouth. Yeah, no, yeah. that sounds Australian now. Well, then don't let. Never mind. Keep going. Yeah, I'm not okay. I'm gonna <laughs> answer this as normal, TJ. I haven't. TJ, there's nothing normal about you. You're telling me. <laughs> in the best possible way. Okay, why don't you just answer it like TJ? Okay. Okay. <laughs> so no, I would love to. I would love to do a show where there would be an accent, but as you could just tell, it would be hard. To, it would be hard <laughs> to maintain it. So I would need to do a lot of practice. I think it would be so much fun to do Brigadoon. Yeah. Oh, I think that would be so much fun. Or even just like a time period piece where you had to have yeah, like a little have bit more of, of an old English accent. Yeah, or you just had to have like a different way of speaking. <laughs> like where does everyone summer? <laughs> yeah. Because like I was just like in class right now. Where, where I'm teaching, we're teaching about the Declaration of Independence. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, it was originally written to be read out loud. It wasn't mm. written to be read. Oh, so, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So, yeah, Jefferson origi- yeah, he originally wrote it for it to be performed and read out loud oh, instead of having it read. <laughs> I was trying to read it out loud, and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to find a video of somebody reading it out loud because it's so much different. It's than, so different. Than no, how we talk like, now. But what is It's like in National Treasure. I love that line where mm-hmm. he he's, like, saying something from it, and then he goes, people don't really talk like that anymore and yeah. I'm like I know yeah. he's like wow that's beautiful yeah I have no idea what you I have said no idea what you said. <laughs> no this idea. car smells weird yeah when are we gonna get there <laughs> yeah but when a long chain of abuses and usurpations uh and something about invariant and releasing the same object I don't know you know what I recently heard I recently heard children reading excerpts from the, the declaration of independence cool. oh, no from the constitution from the constitution and it was so cute we <laughs> people but uh, to bring it back i mm-hmm. think it would be a lot of fun to do a show or a movie or any particular accent that you're most fond of 
but like I, to do. I mean, one that I can do, I think, fairly well is my Scottish one. Mm-hmm. Um, I can attest to that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I can do I can do a Russian one for a pretty long time too, but it's stereotypical Russian. It's not like my Scottish one has gotten less stereotypical, and now it sounds a little bit more like, oh, okay, you're actually just like doing a voice or like not doing a voice. You're actually speaking like how it's. But my Russian one is very stereotypical. So. I can do Gru Russian. There you go. I love doing Gru well, accent. You're, okay. You called down, <laughs> called out the thunder. Now you got to do it. So uh, well, um, let's see. What does he say? Um, he says this. Um, what does he say? Oh, and he's like, and now we're going to steal. Pause for dramatic emphasis. <laughs> the moon. <laughs> That was really oh, good. See, mine doesn't even sound like that. Mine just sounds like various, like, stereotypical, like, in Soviet Russia, the car drives you. <laughs> it's more like that. I sound like Bella Lugosi doing Dracula, but oh, it's I like... <laughs> You're right. Yours does go much more Soviet. It does. Mine goes Mine like, is a lot I more lovable. I like my lovable Russian accent. Because it's like, you're not really a bad guy, but you kind of sound like someone who might have been one time or another. Sounds good. Right? I hope you do not value your life that much or you have good insurance. The brakes on this car just failed. <laughs> it is the worst car I have ever bought. It's British. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> you did not value your life. Oh my goodness. Well, I am I value my life and I really enjoy this life that um that we're living right now. So why don't we pause and go make some drinks? Because Let's, that just kind of makes life worth living, don't you think? It does. I've never actually had an old fashioned with Irish whiskey before, so this is going to be very very interesting. Me neither. Yeah. So, new stuff for both of us, maybe for some of you out there. Yeah. If you're joining us with an Irish old fashioned we're gonna come back and join you with an Irish old fashioned. With an Irish old fashioned. Tom it. That, that just came out. All right, here we go. And we're back. And we're back. And we have two old fashions that are roughly about the same color. Yeah. Which will only make sense if you listen to the bloopers at the end. There you go. <laughs> All right, so. I have made mine with a uh, Jameson, Jameson uh, whiskey, which is an Irish whiskey. Mm. Jameson was founded in 1780 by John Jameson and was one of the few distilleries to survive the decline of the whiskey production in Ireland. Mm-hmm. So one of the four that remained. Yep. The <gasps> I got the number remain. right? Yep. Okay. Uh, today it is actually the best-selling Irish whiskey in the world. Tis. Everyone knows Jameson whiskey. Yes. It's a staple of... Frat houses everywhere. You know, I've I have to reflect. I think, I think it was the first bottle of whiskey I ever bought for myself. Yeah. I think I was like, hmm. Now that I've tried my brother's whiskey and I like it. Well, first I tried his scotch, mm. and I like it. Now I'm gonna try some for myself. Yeah. I think it would maybe may have been the first one I tried for myself. Yeah. So mine is Jameson. Would you like to tell them what you're drinking? Yes, I'm drinking a old-fashioned made with another Irish whiskey called Tullamore Dew. Uh, Tullamore Dew was actually first produced in 1829. Uh, the Dew in the name, which is actually D-E-W, are actually initials for oh. one of the first distillery managers named Daniel E. Williams. Ah, clever. 
So he was uh, credited with actually uh, taking the whiskey to the next level, so they named the whiskey after him. So what brought it to the next level? Uh, They said it was the aging process and the way that they racked the barrels in the warehouses. It was by his design, and it completely changed the whole way that the whiskey tastes. All right. So, And the original distillery, sorry, the original distillery was closed in the 1960s, so this is one of the ones that did not survive. Ah. Uh, but a new distillery was opened in 2010, bringing distillation back to the region after a 50-year break. Okay. So they they had a resurgence. Yes. So to the remaining and to the resurgence. Cheers. Cheers. Hmm. That's tasty. Really not bad. No. I like that a lot. It's very smooth. Not as different as, like, the scotch was. Yeah, the scotch, because we had, like, that whole dynamic where they were, like, fighting mm-hmm. each other. This doesn't... It fight. doesn't fight. It, it's, very, it's very seamlessly blended, although I still feel like it's missing something. <laughs> Mine was missing something for a little while. <laughs> it kind of takes me back to the rye a little bit. It's still, a whis- like, an, an American whiskey-type flavor. Yeah. I know it's Irish. I don't know. It's just kind of... It's nice. It is nice. It's nice. I like it. (laughs) Those are the words we have for now. It's nice. (laughs) I honestly wasn't expecting this because Irish whiskey isn't as harsh as scotch. Mm -hmm. Um, Right, didn't you say it was kind of the more approachable whiskey? It is. It's a little bit more approachable. So does that mean that Irish people are more approachable than Scottish people? I think I think think that's true. I think the whiskey is. I've. Okay, well, first of all, I can't speak to that because I've never met both. I've, oh, I have. I've only had really good interactions with when we were in Scotland, which, by the way, was three years ago today. Oh, wow. We went to Ireland, my friend and I. We went to, we flew into Belfast, and we went to the birthplace of the Titanic, which was where we learned the difference between a birthplace and a voyage launch, because it was built in Belfast, Ireland, mm-hmm. and it was birthed there. It's really cool to watch the, like... Um, you know, they have like a digital remake, you know, remastering yeah. of, of like what that process looks like. Um, very cool. Very cool. Um, but anyway, so Belfast, that is where I've had, where I had the best fish and chips I've ever had. Still, I haven't had any that's beat it yet. Um, and it was at the Queen's Pub in Belfast. And there's like this mosaic crown right in front of the pub doors. hmm and there are two theories um, about entering the pub. So there's a theory that if you step around the crown, um, you might be you might be um, honoring the crown. Like you might be saying that you you know are reverent of it, so you're yeah. not going to step on it, right? So in that theory, then if you step on it, you're kind of pissing on the crown, and you're like whatever. Yeah. But then the theory twists and goes the other way, and that says that if you step on the crown, you're accepting of the crown, but that if you go around it, then you're avoiding ah. the crown. So we were like, what, what do we do? <laughs> skip and they're over, like, skip over they're it. like, I think the point is you lose either way. Yeah. <laughs> so just walk in. I think <laughs> Look that, straight ahead and walk in. I think the point is, is you're going to lose either you're way. You're going to lose either way. You're going to lose either way. I think that's way. kind of what Ireland is. It's just kind of a lose-lose situation. Also, fun fact about Belfast, in the early 1990s, there is a polar bear that escaped from the zoo there. <laughs> so then we took a bus down to Dublin, Ireland, where we stayed the night. And Dublin was really cool. Uh, we went to St. Patrick's Cathedral. And there... Like, for some reason, gelato was a really big thing in Dublin. Huh. Like, there's a little gelato, like, cart, like, 
It's like every froyo here. Everywhere. Uh, maybe. Yeah. But gelato. So we had gelato. It was nice. delicious. <laughs> Do had... you know why Ireland is the richest country in the world? I uh, know. Because its capital is always Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> so TJ, I have a blind question for you. All right. And this might be the blind question to end, to all. end all blind questions. Like, okay. I'm not even sure if you'll have a blind question for me after this, but I kind of hope that you still do. Yeah. So, in our last episode, you revealed your n- your nerd uh, concentration on Batman. Yes. Okay, so you have a... Uh, you, you nerd out on Batman. I do nerd out on Batman, amongst now, other things. Now, we have also had a lot of discussions about 007. Yep. Yeah. So, who would win in a fight? Between 007 and Batman. Okay, so who would win in a fight between James Bond and Batman? You have to pick one. Would you like to do, like, a little mini debate? <laughs> well, I'm going to just, like, work it out in my head right now. Um, but can you say it out loud, though? Yeah, I'm going to say it out loud. So, or, so James Bond... Okay, wait, really quick. My ice cube looks like the Death Star right now. It does! <laughs> James Bond... Batman. So, so James Bond, Go. Ultimate Spy. Um, England's most powerful weapon. England's most powerful weapon. To kill. Very well trained British Navy or British Navy commander. Batman has every base card. Batman would win in this fight, unfortunately. I've already decided it. Oh, okay. Um, He's going with Batman. Batman would win in this fight just. Well, at least I know where your loyalty lies. See? <laughs> Who, which James Bond? Well, Daniel Craig, of course. Daniel Craig's James Bond. Batman would still win because he's too impulsive. Mm-hmm. Also, then second place, I can rank them. Here we go. Who we would, got a ranking who, who would win brought in a to fight. you by TJ Huckabee. Yeah, so least likely to win in a fight, people that have played James Bond. Or not James Bond, people that have played Batman. Okay. So, given your Batman abilities in the, sh- in the movie or the show that you were in, mm-hmm. this is so from bottom to top, Adam West... George Clooney, Val Kilmer. Oh. Ben Affleck, just because we only saw it one time. I'm with you there. Michael Keaton, Christian Bale. Wow, my, Michael Keaton above Val Kilmer. Michael Keaton above Val Kilmer because he was the OG awesome Batman, and he was in two movies. How can he be OG? Because he was the first one where it was like, this is the real Batman. This is like dark and serious Batman, not like... I just not don't think of him. Adam now. West doing the Bat 2C. Like. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Sorry. I see, I see. Shall we switch drinks? We should switch drinks. So, uh, TJ is going on to Jameson, and I'm having the Tullamore. Tullamore Dew. Jameson right. and Tullamore Dew. This one's a little different. It tastes like a little more watery to me. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. one does too. It like, does. This one tastes more watery to me than that one does. Interesting, we must just... But be, your ice need, cube does look like swirl. the Death Star. It does look like the Death Star. Maybe we need to swirl it a little bit. So do you have a blind question for me? Hobby that you would... Or hobby that you don't have right now, but that you've always wanted to get into, but have just either for time purposes, not the right time in your life, anything like that. Huh. Hobby that you could see yourself getting completely 100% engrossed in... Hmm. And it taking over a portion of your life for a while. <laughs> taking over a portion yeah. of my life. Oh, that's a good question. Oh, surfing. Surfing. I have always wanted to learn how to surf. And I could, if I lived, like, 
on the coast. Yeah. I could totally see myself getting lost in that and being one of those people that, like, starts mapping waves and tides and... Um, and being like, I gotta go, it's a good surf, <laughs> you know? You're out there at like 4.30 in the morning, and it's like, this is the oh, perfect no, time to get the perfect set. That, <laughs> I'd be more of an evening surfer. <laughs> Would you be a shoebie? What, I, what's Remember a Rocket shoe-bee? Power? Rocket Power. That show on Nickelodeon where, like, the kids, like, grow up on the coast and no, but they I surf and watch stuff. it. Oh, it was a good, good show. I watched a, like, a surfing competition on ESPN, or may not have been ESPN, whatever you know, was yeah. showing it. ESPN um, 8, the Ocho. Yeah. <laughs> um, watching it one time, and it was pretty cool. And I just, like, I, I really like... Um, There's a lot of cool surfing documentaries, too. Yeah. I watched a couple of surfing documentaries, and I always remember this place that we used to go to in downtown San Jose. So I used to live in San Jose, and there was this place that we used to go to in downtown San Jose. They just had TVs everywhere with, like, surfing clips just like continuously, and I just remember being that kid that's like staring at the TV, mm-hmm. hanging at my, staring at like waiting for the sh- the wave to crash, the wave to crash, the wave, and there they are! Oh my gosh, that's amazing! You know? <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And I watched a surfing documentary one time, um, and there's like this place. Um, it's like a hundred miles out from San Diego, where some of the tallest waves are recorded mm-hmm. and there's these like crazy this this would not be the extent of my hobby but these crazy people that go out there like in a boat yeah those are the guys that get like hauled out there like on a they ski do haul yeah. out there on well they go out on a boat and they you know they kind of anchor their boat over there and then they they jet ski over to where the waves start to swell mm-hmm. and so then the jet ski pulls the guy the guy's on the like almost like wakeboarding you know yeah while the the wave starts to swell and then the jet ski just like takes off and he lets go and he's just riding this 110 foot wave for like five whole minutes. I think I've seen this one too. I, th- I think the guy's name is, is Laird Hamilton is the name of the surfer. Oh, I, I don't remember. I was young. I, I was probably like 12 or 13 yeah. when I saw this documentary. Because, I mean, we live, like, because, you know, living in California, I mean, we live mm-hmm. right near Mavericks, mm-hmm. too. That's, like, a world-renowned surf spot. People mm-hmm. are always coming from, you know, all over the world to try it out there because yeah. it's dangerous. They get really, really tall waves, but you're really close to the shoreline. Right. So, you know, a lot of people have died. Coral. Yeah, a lot of people have died there doing it and stuff. But, you know, people come from all over yeah. to surf at Mavericks. Yeah. So, like, that or... I don't know. I can see myself, like, getting really into, like, one of those, like, old lady games, like Canasta, or I love that dice game, Bunko. Oh, yeah. I can see myself getting into, like, you know what? I don't know why I skipped over this entirely. Um, Tennis. Mm -hmm. I would love to just play tennis. Like, just play tennis. You know, like, find some kind of, like, amateur league or something where I actually do well (laughs) (laughs) i like i i have some pretty average skills right now like there are skills there they're average but man if i could spend hours getting better at tennis you would and just being able to go and play random tournaments even like the you know like qualifying rounds even though i would probably be out like within the first two days i totally would very cool if i had the time and the money to do that 100 percent would do that like but that that's not it. something that I'm not currently doing right now, so I guess that doesn't quite fit into your yeah. question. 
So surfing would definitely be the one that's like, I'm, I've never done it before in my life. I'm not doing it right now, but I would love to learn how to do it and then, and just like get into it and be like semi good at it. I like it. So we, how did you feel about your Irish old fashioned? Are you feeling Irish? I feel pretty, yeah, I feel pretty good with it. It was better than the Scotch one, which pains me to say. It was not better than the the bonus one that we had last week, or la- last bonus week. The bonus one that we had. Last, ep- last oh, episode. Oh, we had the Lagavulin. With the Lagavulin. Mm-hmm. It was not better than that one by, by any means. It was mm-hmm. solid. I could definitely see myself drinking more of them, but it's not going to be like a go-to thing. Yeah. It, it lacked sure. something for me. It lacked like a... It did. It kind of lacked the depth. Yeah. You know, that I think the, the sweetness of the, that the bourbon brings it. Yeah. You know? Um, and but the spiciness I was, of the rye, it was missing both of those. Right. Well, components. I think I was I was saying before, like, it has the dryness of the rye, but not the spice. Yeah. So it doesn't have that kind of, like, kick to it. But for that reason, I liked it. Yeah. But I agree. Better than the Scotch ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say if you are interested in trying an old fashioned and you're not, it's not going to be like abrasive or offensive. Try it with an Irish whiskey. Totally. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised, and then you can build up. And if you're nervous about trying it with like a bourbon or a rye, mm-hmm. work into that a little yeah. bit. But I think this would be like a good like entry level. Totally. Like old fashioned for somebody because it's not really like offensive to the palate at all. That was my highbrow statement. That was my highbrow statement for the night. Isn't this podcast all about me being accessible? It's like the best one. However, in the spirit of the podcast being about recreating amazing cocktails, I have to tell you a little story. Tell me. From Ireland. Are you going to do it in an accent? I don't know. We were hanging out in Dublin and we were, we had about, we had about, we hour and a half before our flight we decided to pop into this pub for a, a quick drink and one thing we had not tried when we were there was an irish coffee nice and let me tell you i have not had an irish coffee that tasted the same since but in the spirit of recreating drinks amazing drinks that i have had while on vacation i think we should have an irish coffee while we answer our listeners question I think that sounds fantastic. I'm going to crack the window so we get a nice cool breeze in here. So that we can drink our Irish coffee while we have a nice chill? Yeah. (laughs) So So that we actually need the coffee? Exactly. (laughs) I'll crack the window a little bit so if you hear a little ambient noise like a train or a dog barking in the background, it'll just add to it. Yeah, it's just part of the (laughs) ambiance. All right, let's go make some Irish coffee. All right, let's go make an Irish coffee. So we have some coffee, which is appropriate because TJ cracked the window and now I am near freezing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, I can close it and stuff. Because it has been well documented on this podcast before that I tend to run a little bit warm. And I tend to run a little bit cold. Yeah, and she we're... This is the perfect duo. It does. We're, <laughs> we're fire and ice. <laughs> That's right. So should we answer our listener's question? Yes. Our listener question tonight comes from a longtime listener... Named Jeff. He's one of my very... <laughs> Sorry, long time, like, from back in March. Well, no, he's, he's, he's like, our one of our most consistent listeners that's, like, not related to either one of us, like, by marriage or blood. I don't think anybody related to me by marriage or blood listens to my podcast, um, 
consistently, but my friends do. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I haven't polled anybody recently and stuff, but Jeff listens to every episode. Whenever. Oh, no, I make my friends listen to it with me. No, I'm just kidding. I don't make them. They they yeah. like listening to it with me. Yeah, usually when the episode drops, like on Sunday morning, like a couple hours later, oh. I I usually get a text message from him. You know, it's like, hey, just listen. Great episode. I love this part about it. That's so awesome. he's been recently getting into um, more cocktail creations mm-hmm. since that we've actually been doing this podcast. And, you know, I don't know if we've directly inspired him to do so or I'd like to think we did I'd like to think that we did too but he's always hitting me up with questions and stuff and this one he asked me the other day and I thought it would be a good one yeah to ask and talk about on the podcast all right shoot so he wanted to know what is the most clever cocktail drink that we have ever encountered I don't know if he meant name wise or Or just drink Concoction in general? Yeah, concocto okay. inject. Yeah, concoction in general. That was mm. hard to say. Mm. Okay. I'm going to mold this over one a little bit. Okay, well, one comes to mind for me, but I might have to, like, verbally trademark it. Because I haven't... I don't think I've shared this with anybody before, but I made this... Oh, so it's one that you've it's made. It's one that I've made. I call it... What did I call it? The Pirate Sunset... So, like, instead of the tequila sunrise, the pirate sunset. So, it's rum, prosecco, orange juice, and grenadine. So, I don't know about name-wise, because there's some really weird Mm -hmm. cocktail names out there that we can't share on this podcast. (laughs) Um... I like adding pomegranate juice to my gin and tonic. That's good. I think I've shared it on this podcast before. Um, I once had an eighteen dollar Jack and Coke, but what? It, but it was Why? Like, but it was like a a specialty Jack and Coke. It was made with Jack Single Barrel, which is a higher end version of Jack Daniels, mm-hmm. um, and then it was made with a cola extract. So it wasn't made with like Coca Cola. It was actually made with like cola extract that they had made. Are you talking about like a reduced, like where they reduce it down to like its syrup? Yes. It was fantastic. It was like okay. one of the most like amazing things that I've ever I had in my life. I used to love Jack and Coke. It used to be my chaser. One time I went to a restaurant in Carmel Valley um, and it's this place that has award winning margaritas and one mm. of them was called a Jacarita. And my friend and I were like reading the cocktail list and we were like Jacarita and it sounded really good. It had like pineapple and pomegranate. I mean it was just like I mean, it was, it was so good. I don't remember everything that was in it, but so we asked the bartender because we were sitting at the bar. We're like, what is the Jacarita? And, you know, and it was actually that bartender. Nice. He's like, well, it's actually mine. I made it up. I'm Jake. And, you know, I made it up and, and it's won a couple of awards. And um, I wonder how often he's dropped this line. I know, right? <laughs> Who knows if it was even Jake? Exactly. <laughs> it could have been Lake. Larry or Bob. Or Bob. <laughs> but anyway, but we had it. It was delicious. Um, it was absolutely delicious. So that was a, like a memorable one. I don't know if it was clever. Clever because it was just another twist on a margarita. There's a whiskey one that I've been wanting to try, but I just never have, and it's called a rusty nail. <laughs> okay. It's you have a your tetanus sc- shot? Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's a it's a scotch based one, but then you have to make it with like a very like specific like orange liqueur. Okay. What's and the specific orange liqueur? I Is don't it know. Quantra? No, it's not Quantro. It's like one that I had never heard of before. Okay. But um I've never seen it around or anything like that, but it's it's a boozy drink. It's only two ingredients. Mm-hmm. It's like 
it's like two ounces of scotch and then like an ounce and a half of that. So it's almost okay. like a five or four ounce cocktail. Okay. Well, any other clever cocktail drinks? Not that I can think of. Again, none well, the, that I the, can. The pineapple mojito, which you still haven't tried, but I still haven't tried the pineapple mojito yeah. yet. That one's a clever one to me. I thought it was very clever. Yeah. So TJ, we we've done our best to answer listeners' question. Yeah. Hopefully, some of those are clever enough to make the cut. Um. So should we kind of prepare our listeners for the end? I think so. We have kind of embarked on this journey. We've made it through bourbon, mm-hmm. rye. We've done some comparisons. Mm-hmm. We have come out with redemption on top yep. so far. We have tried scotch. We have tried Irish whiskey. And so... Next episode next is... Next episode is, is the, the crowning of, of our Call Me Old Fashion Perfect old-fashioned yes which we will have alongside a few bonus drinks that we have sort of set aside like you've heard us along the way like bonus drink yeah bonus drink idea (laughs) bonus drink idea so we're gonna pull some of those out so you'll have to come and join us to see which bonus drinks we try but essentially after that um we are we're wrapping up our our podcast yeah it's gonna be more of a a remembrance and a celebr or celebratory episode. Yes, absolutely. We will celebrate, and we can't wait to celebrate with all of our listeners. So yes. we hope you'll join us, and we hope you'll listen uh, to our conclusion because uh, we definitely can't leave it at this. No, we're so. not going to leave it at this and stuff. We're going to definitely wrap it up and then say our final thoughts, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So please, um, if you're not already already following us on our Instagram, call me old fashioned twenty twenty one. Yeah. Um, who knows? We might still have some nuggets to drop even after we're not podcasting anymore. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. I mean, there's always going to be stuff to talk about. So. Yeah, and um, uh, we'll post our recipes from today uh, with our with the Irish whiskeys that we tried. And um, I thought I might try and sign us off with an, an Irish toast. Is that, like, where you, like, make it? It's not t- like an English breakfast. Oh, okay. <laughs> the Irish are really, are very um, well known for their toasts. Because they drink so much. And they're very poetic people. They're very poetic. So I will sign us off with a toast if you don't have anything else to say. Uh, No, thank you. I would like to just say, you know, thank you for everything and stuff. I know we're going to be wrapping up on the next episode Mm -hmm. and everything, but this has been a lot of fun. So So our preamble to the thank you celebration, yeah. All right, so the roof above us never fall in. May we friends gathered below never fall out. Perfect. We will see you all next time for our final episode of Call Me Old Fashioned. That's right. See you next time. Bye. And we're back. And we have two Irish old fashions that are vastly different color. I go heavier on my aromatics than you do. You want to know something funny? Did you not put any in? A book fell off and hit me on my head. I blamed it on my shelf. This one is a Cocoa Puff. (laughs) 